Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but I guess you know now. Guests Baby. appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 829 FM ESPN. We took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town. Baby, where did these be at when they said it? Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 929 FM ESPN, and joining me now before we get to the weekend in college football, that would be Kyron Samuels, former all-conference offensive lineman at Jacksonville State and uh, senior consultant and writer at Defiant Takes. He is on X at Kyron Samuels. Kyron, what's up, man? How's it going? What's up, brother? Glad to be back, man. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Now, uh, what did you think about Thursday Night Football last night? We, I don't know how the uh, the Steelers somehow, they've been outgained through eight games and they're 5-3. and three. That's, that's Mike Tomlin and culture. That's all we can uh, chalk that up to, right? I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's no other explanation. <laughs> but I, I really did enjoy that game. I mean, it was a right. it was a throwback game of sorts. I mean, it was it was physical. Uh, you had both of the running backs, uh, Najee Harris and Derrick Henry, and, and the, the supplementary backs, uh, Kajay Spears and, and Jalen Warren, uh, all played very well last night. I really enjoyed the throwback type of style. There was no there was only one turnover, which was at the end of the game, so it was a relatively clean game. Uh, I thought it was well coached on both sides. I just I enjoyed it a little bit. I know people are used to the points and probably want a little bit more scoring, but uh, that did it for me last night. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It was, it was entertaining at the very least, and that's all you look for. Right. Um, now, Will Levis is the story from last night to me, even though like the Titans lost. You know, we're, we're here in the state of Tennessee. We have a lot of Titans fans in the audience. And even though they lost, even though they dropped to 3-5, and five, I feel like Will Levis through two games – has given them some reason to believe, to have some hope about their quarterback position going forward. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man, especially for where you got Will Levis at. Um, you know, there was a lot of debate uh, this past draft cycle about who should go number one and then subsequently who should go two and three. There was a lot of debate. And Will Levis kind of got the short end of the stick, and probably rightfully so. I believe when you really take it to the totality of his evaluation and the guys that were taken in front of him, there was a legit argument. There was a legit, you know, uh, logic, logical reason for those guys to go ahead of him. Um, and he ended up falling because the guys after him weren't very good. So you, nobody was really worried about somebody trading up to draft a hand and Tucker type or, or, or something of that. Sort. Right. So he fell to the second round. But for a second round guy who's gotten to sit back for 
seven weeks before he got his opportunity. You have to be nothing but uh, just excited about what he's produced the last two weeks. And I think a lot of it has to go back to his maturity. He's 24 years old. Uh, he's a lot older than the rest of the rookie quarterback. Those guys are 20, 21 years old. And he's a guy that's been around. He's a guy that's a little bit more mature just in terms of life experience and being on the planet longer. Like, I think you see seen a lot of that translate the last couple of weeks. He's not pressing very much. He's standing in the pocket, and he's not fully there. There's a lot of stuff he can improve on, right? But he's standing in the pocket. He's taking the hits. He's knowing when to check down the ball, and I thought that was impressive on the drive before the last drive, the second to last drive. I thought he did a great job of just killing a couple plays that weren't there. He yep. didn't try to force the ball and throw a turnover and, and take his team out of the game. Uh, he actively helped the team win the last game uh, against, uh, I believe, uh, it was the Falcons they played. Yep. And then he actively helped his team not lose the game last night. So he put them in positions where they could have a chance to win last night. And that's all you can ask for, guys, this juncture, especially going into like his second start at Heinz Field or whatever it's called now. It's always going to be Heinz Field to me. But uh, going to a second start at Pitt, Pittsburgh, that's all you can ask from Rule 11. I was very impressed with him. Now, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit later, so I don't want to show my hand completely, but – um, when it comes to, like, if Ryan Tannehill gets back healthy, we know that Mike Vrabel is not interested in losing, right? We know that he's going to put the best guys in there to potentially win. But I don't see a scenario where if you're the Tennessee Titans and you're thinking about, okay, what's next year going to look like the year after that, you're thinking about your future at all. I don't know how you insert a guy like Ryan Tannehill back in there with the way Will Levis has played through two games. I feel like this is a guy you need to see what you have in him over a extended sample size, not just two games, not just three games. If Ryan Tannehill gets back healthy, I feel like Will Levis ought to, ought to still be that guy. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, they're three to five at this point. So they're in the race, but they're not like – if they lose another game or, here, game or two here, they're out, and then you completely have to play the guy because you have to know what you have at this point. Ryan Tannehill's been in the league over a decade. We know what he is. He's very steady. Uh, he's above average. That's why he's been in the league this long. That's why he's gotten paid. Uh, but Will Levis has a, a different type of skill set than most QBs in the NFL right now. Good, bad, or indifferent. He has a, a different type of arm strength. He has uh, the, 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 the arm angles where he can make throws that certain guys can make, can't make. Uh, one of the plays last night, he's, you know, he's driving back to his right, and he, ha- he has a guy draped on his left side of his body. And he still has the arm strength and, and just even the wherewithal to look and throw a ball and he gets it to the other side of the field. That's not a, a typical skill set. So um, that doesn't mean he's going to be great at the other things right. that we're talking about. I mean, you still have to let him play it out and see. But that skill set is rare enough to where you have to uh, enable him to at least have a shot. And especially when you have guys like DeAndre Hopkins. You don't think DeAndre Hopkins is excited? Yeah. The last two right. weeks he's seen the ball more times than he's seen. You know, he, I mean, he had three touchdowns last week. He has over 200 yards the last two weeks receiving those guys are going to start to feed into it a little bit more. I, I, the clip went viral of Jeffrey Simmons last week uh, saying that the word Will Levis, he loves Will Levis. Those guys believe in that kid already. So it leads me to believe they've been seeing some stuff in practice that they've been waiting for him to get his opportunity. So even from a, a morale standpoint, I don't see how you don't let him have the reins going forward. And it is wild, too. Like, I, well, Ryan Tannehill, I think the biggest point is Ryan Tannehill's contract is up. He doesn't really have a future with the Titans franchise. But also, isn't it wild, like, the the switch? I never expected to have this conversation with you, Kai. I never expected <laughs> to have this conversation about Will Levis, ever. I know right. I know how I talked about him when he was at Kentucky, at Penn State. I remember how I talked about him during the NFL draft process. I never expected him to have this early of production. So, good on him, ultimately. Good on him. Now, into college football, I have to start with the uh, what I what I believe is the matchup of the week. That's LSU visiting Bama. How do you see this thing going? 
Oh, man, this is a really tough one for me because, you know, one half of my brain is telling me go with the home team. The home team has had the hot hand uh, in this rivalry. I mean, it's been pretty much one-sided, right? I mean, the West 10 matchups, Alabama has won eight of them. Um, but the last four has been a little bit more split. The last four are two and two, including the one-point win last night in overtime for LSU. Uh, so it was a little bit – I was a little bit hesitant because I think the defense for Alabama is so good yep. that I'm going to trust them. And the, the biggest thing for me is that uh, in the second half of ball games this season, Alabama is only giving up 7.8 points per game. If you take out the Texas game, which is the second game of the year, and they're still working out personnel, they're still learning the system pretty much, they're still figuring out who they are as a team. The last three home games they played, they've given up six points combined, and all three of those teams were in the top uh, 50 of college football total offense. Two of them were in the top 33. So against some of the better offenses in the country, and this is the best offense in the country, I believe, in LSU, but they've been against some some explosive enough teams, some well-coached enough teams that know who they are to where – I don't think that they're going to be wowed by anything game plan-wise that happens. It's just going to be, are your guys better? And I think at the end of the day, we have the home field advantage. We have a guy like Kevin Steele, a defensive coordinator that has shown he makes great second-half adjustments. Uh, I'm going to lean towards the home team. I'm going to lean towards the experience. Uh, but LSU is so explosive. I think they get out to a, a decently quick start. It's just going to depend on can their defense also keep Alabama to a slow start, which they've been – which Alabama's been accustomed to. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Alabama's offense is starting to hit its stride. I think the balance between the run game, the passing game, and then Milrow himself using him using his legs, and Tommy Reese getting him some more uh, zone reads, some more quick games, so RPO stuff going early, has really started to show, and I think it's going to show his uh, face again this week. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout either direction. I think it's going to be a very close, contested ball game. And I think whoever makes the least amount of mistakes, I'm going to guess that's going to be Alabama here. Just going off the track record, right? Going off the even in the Missouri game that they squeaked out, uh, they had a couple turnovers. That the defense was playing poorly with uh, extended drives with, with penalties. Uh, I think that's going to be another thing in the penalty battle. But I'm just going to go with my gut and tell me that the Nick Saban coach team, the Nick Saban prepared team, is going to be a little bit better when it matters the most. But LSU is extremely explosive. Are you there with me with Jaden Daniels? Obviously, I think in, in most sports books, he's the favorite to win the Heisman. This could be – like, this is sort of the the game that could win him the Heisman. If they win and he has a good stat line, he'll probably be the guy who, who gets it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at LSU's schedule, uh, they have a couple, you know, decent contested Florida and A&M out, but, still, but – Right. So, they have some decent games, but – None of those teams give you the impression that they're going to slow down LSU's offense. If, if they if they win, it'll be because their team outscores LSU, not because they shut down Jaden Daniels. So the numbers are going to be there is what I'm saying. If he can get past this uh, matchup here, I think he has to be the front runner, unless Michael Penning just does some crazy stuff or Bo Nick just does some crazy stuff. I think it's a three-horse race between those guys right now. Yeah, now Alabama has to win out, though. This is this is big. This is This is for college football playoff aspirations. And I listen. When when they lost to Texas, I didn't necessarily think that they would uh, they would be in this position. But they have somehow weathered the storm, won some close games, uh, handled business against Tennessee. Uh, but here we are. I mean, this is went out, and you could be in the college football playoff. And I think there's a lot of different. Once we get to this point in the year, when the college football playoff rankings come out, we'll talk about those in a little bit. Um, you, you always think of all the crazy things could that that could potentially happen. But when we look at Alabama running the table, potentially beating Georgia in the SEC championship, 
the committee would have a really tough time dealing with uh, sort of how the college football playoff would, would um, shake out. And I think it could potentially end in Alabama and Georgia again in the college football playoff. Uh, I mean, listen, that's a very logical scenario, especially when you look at um, the history of Alabama versus Georgia. Let's say that Alabama does get past LSU this weekend. The rest of their schedule would lead you to believe that there won't be Simple. any pickups before they get that. Right, because it's what? Kentucky, um, Chat, and then Auburn. And Auburn, I know the Iron right. Bowl, especially at Auburn, it can get tricky, but I, this Auburn offense, I just, I'm, I don't believe <laughs> that they would be capable of doing anything against that Kevin Steele defense. I'm right there with you. So, if, if we go by the track record, right, they get past LSU Saturday, let's say they do that. Alabama is historically in the last, in the, let's just say in the Kirby Smart era, they're the only team that doesn't get defeated before they play the game against Georgia. Right. I believe Kirby is 1-4 against Nick Saban. I believe the only win was in the national championship. And, listen, injuries are a part of the game. I'm not taking anything away from Kirby and those guys, and they've proven it the next year, and they're proving it again this year. They are legitimate. They are the champions. Uh, but without the injuries to Jameson Williams and John Mechie, that game probably goes a little bit different. I mean, Bryce Young was having an incredible game, dotting guys up, and they're dropping touchdowns left and right, dropping the uh, drive extended plays left and right. So from a psyche standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I think there's one team in the country that truly believes that they're better than the University of Georgia, and I think it's the team in Alabama. And I think Alabama is one of the few teams in Ohio State, maybe a Michigan-wide, that can actually match up player for player, coaching staff, top to bottom, what, what have you. I think Alabama is one of the only teams that can match up, and more more importantly, I think they're one team that believes that they are better. So I always like those Alabama Georgia matchups because I think it is the Crim Baylor Crim, the two best teams and two best coaching staffs, top to bottom, going at it. So I would love to have that matchup. Uh, as much as the country hates it and they're tired of it, I do see a, a scenario where we could get it twice again this year. Now um, we do have Bedlam for the last time for a while because Oklahoma's headed off to the SEC. Uh, Oklahoma State's left behind. We know that Mike Gundy really wants this game. But does th- it hit you that the 118th playing of this game will be the last time we see it for a long while and this rivalry may go away? Yeah, one of my guys, uh, Matt Chadwick, he's a, a senior college guy at PFF, he uh, sent me uh, his tweet about it because I was talking about the game to him and some other guys, and I couldn't believe it. It really hadn't hit me until then that this is going to be the last time we've seen it played. Uh, I believe I, I don't remember the other three rivalries, but it's one of the – top three rivalries in, in consecutive games played. Right. Uh, and another one was like an Army team. Or something. So it's been a, one of those historical rivalries that we've always got. And it's kind of sad. You know, college football has been largely a regional game, and that's kind of what's made it special for a lot of the, a lot of the years. You get these crazy regional rivalries. Um, you get these high-sex games. Normally you get Bellum on the Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken. It's a little bit early, earlier in the year than it normally is, but I don't think the stakes are any less this year. Yeah. Now, twenty twenty. You know, you look. Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Sorry. My bad. Apologies. Oh, oh yeah. I was just saying. You know, it, it was not that long ago people were calling for Mike Gundy's head. You know, right. after the South Alabama law, they lost the South Alabama. But he law always has a way of figuring it out, man, doesn't he? <laughs> he always. And so now they're right <laughs> back, and that team is sitting there in, in the Big Twelve title race. So it's, it's crazy to see how fast um, things turn in college football. And good for Gundy for sticking to his guns and, and you know getting back to business. Now, um, 2023 at least, we still have the Big 12 together, and then everything's going to change pretty dramatically next year. Um, But for the 2023 Big 12, we have two teams at the top that you want to be in the college football playoff if you're you're in the Big 12, in Oklahoma and Texas. This week could end those hopes. 
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Right? Like, they, the Big 12 could be cooked after this weekend. We have Texas dealing with Kansas State, who's never easy to deal with. Now, granted, Texas has won six straight. I think this year, a little bit different. Malik Murphy at quarterback. You have a backup in there. Uh, it's just a tougher situation for Texas. And then Oklahoma State with how hot they are at home against Oklahoma winning that game. This could be the end of the Big 12 this week. It has that potential. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you can never count out a Chris Kleiman coach team. <laughs> I love Chris Kleiman. He's one of my favorite coaches in college football. I actually played against his North Dakota State teams when I was in college. Right. Kansas State, uh, they beat us in the national championship game with Carson Wentz and those guys. But, uh, you know, ever since then, I've always had respect for him, even, even before that game. But just seeing how they approached the game and seeing how he, uh, you know, attacked the situation, I really had a lot more respect for him leaving that game. And I've been a fan ever since. So, uh, never counting out his, his teams. And, we can never count out a Gundy team as well. I mean, I think these teams are more evenly matched than maybe we thought at the beginning of the season. Uh, you look at some of the Oklahoma early games, um, even them struggling with UCF. They kind of struggled a little bit uh, to get past some of those those earlier games. Uh, I believe it was Cincinnati, I believe, that has not a very good offense. And I believe it was a 10-point game. So they've kind of squeaked by a couple teams. And then we saw them the Texas game. Uh, you know, Texas also struggled a little bit against some subpar competition. They played great against Alabama in that first and fourth quarter and, and pulled away from that one. Um, and maybe we kind of overrated these two teams. I, I do think right. they're both very good teams, but are they contending teams? I don't know now that I'm, you know, we're at this point in the season. So, uh, like you said, it could be a, a situation where both of these teams lose, and that absolutely just kills any chance for a playoff team for the Big 12. But uh, hopefully they get one. You know, I'm not a Big 12 home or anything by any means, but. Uh, it would be good to see them kind of go out on a high note. Now, since you brought it up, you played the Carson Wentz North Dakota State teams with Chris Kleiman. Some dogs, man. Some absolute <laughs> dogs. What was it like playing them? My gosh. You know, you know, it was funny because it was in the national championship, right? The right. The national championship. So we had played three games in the playoffs, and we were rolling, I believe, you know, the first round against Chattanooga, we scored 45 points. The second round against Charleston Southern, we scored 58 points. And then the semifinals against Sam Houston State, we scored 63 points. So we're going into there thinking we're going to just run over these guys. 
and then we get to the week, you know, you go to these, you've been to bowl games before where right. you have these festivities where you go against the other teams and stuff, right? So we're doing like, you know, the, the bowling games and then the air hockey and all these other games, <laughs> a charity flag football games for kids, and we won every single game. So we're like, oh, we already were riding high thinking we we're going to kick their butts. Yeah. And we were renting all the charity games and all that stuff. And then we get to the game, and then they just absolutely smoke us. It was just different. Like, they, they didn't talk any trash. Um, the coaches weren't doing anything extra on the field. It was just very, very just rudimentary, simple football, blocking, tackling, and you couldn't do anything about it because uh, we had one of the more explosive offenses in the country. I think we had the third highest rushing offense in the country that year behind the military schools, and we only had the ball for 13 minutes out of that game. They literally had the ball for 47 <laughs> minutes. Three quarters Good worth of God. football. 47 minutes. It's insane. So I had never seen anything like that. So uh, it, it's hard to play teams like that, and that's kind of – how they beat teams. I mean, you saw it last year when they beat TCU. They control the clock. They get yep. the football, they bleed clock, and they make their drops count. They finish at the end when it matters, and they stop you when it matters. So uh, I love Coach Kleiman. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in college football. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those weeks where Kleiman ball shows his head again and, and they get a big win. Um, That's just – 47 minutes is blowing my mind. Yeah, man. That, it, is, it, liter- it, that is absolutely insane. That is absolutely insane. <laughs> Um, but moving on from there, talking with Kyron Samuels at Kyron Samuels on X, former Jacksonville State All Conference offensive lineman, now with Defiant Takes writer and senior consultant. Um, sign ceiling scandal. We have to talk about it with Michigan. Um, Connor <laughs> Stallions, CMU. We were talking about the Central Michigan sideline. They could have basically said, "Hey, that was Coach X, Coach Y." They didn't say that. And then you have Jim McElwain after their game earlier this week. Uh, basically saying they're investigating it. He doesn't approve of any of it. He didn't know about it, the whole thing. What What do you make of this entire situation? I, I feel as if Michigan's in hot water. There's no question about that. Um, but I, I still, the backdrop of this story, like the, the tones of this story for me, having been in locker rooms, know how sign stealing goes, know how people on the sidelines react, um, knowing what uh, film you can see those things on film, like there, there's been this sort of hilarious backdrop for me, where it's just kind of funny to me to see all of the outrage. Now it seems like this is deeper than I originally thought, so I may be needing to take it more seriously. But how have you felt about this whole situation? You know, I feel exactly how you feel. I think we may have a different perspective, having been former players and hearing some of the more crazy stories. Like even as crazy as the story is at this point. It's like on the lower end of hellacious scandals that we know about that haven't broken. And I, I, you know I, I, I mean? hate to, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I have said this the entire time. I feel like if this was Purdue, if this was Memphis that was doing something like this, this is not front page news. It just isn't. Exactly. Um, but exactly. being that it's Michigan, that they're competing for a, a national championship, it's Jim Harbaugh. It's going to be front page. I, I, under, I understand that, um, but it still is just. It's been bizarre. It's, it's definitely a bizarre story. I 100% agree. And I think a little bit that has to do with it is like the whole Michigan man mantra. Michigan yep. has always kind of postured themselves as holier than thou. Uh, and I think especially when you are of stature like Michigan is and you take them out, put yourself on a pedestal essentially, any little signs they can have to like bring you down or to, to go overboard, I think we're starting to see that a little bit. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's warranted, but it's just funny to me. Like some of the stories that we've heard uh, in college football the last two two years, uh, are far more, you know, damning and, and uh, disparaging than this story to me. But uh, this seems to be entertaining as much as it is kind of 
uh, bad or, or let's say negative, I think people are just so entertained by it that they just want to hear more and more and more and more. So the more details that come out, people are going to eat it up more, and it'll be a story, and I don't think anybody will care come football time. They're still going to watch Ohio State versus Michigan. Yep. They're going to watch Penn State versus Michigan. And then if Michigan wins, what do people say then? We know they're not still in size anymore. We know that Connor Stallions isn't there. Maybe they're just a better team than the teams they've been beating. And maybe they just lost to the teams that they're not better than the last couple see, of years. Like that's a good Georgia. point. So, We'll see how it plays out for sure. See, because that's a good point. Because this year they're eight and zero, and they've not played good competition. I don't think it has anything to do with sign stealing. I think they're just right. <laughs> they have better talent, better coaching than all the teams they've played so far. Now they haven't played a damn soul. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> but I did get a kick. I hope you got a kick the same way. We have Connor Stallions potentially out there at the Central Michigan game in Central Michigan gear, acting like he's a coach for Central Michigan, and he's got glasses on at 7 p.m. at night there's that video I don't know if you've seen it where there's a blue light flashing off the glasses so people are uh sort of trying to throw out the accusation maybe they were video recording glasses that that to me it that's why it's so funny to me the lengths that they potentially went to to steal signs it's just it 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 cracks me up it really does right I mean, absolutely, especially, you know, I saw somebody post a link to the glasses <laughs> that they think he was wearing, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> the Ray-Bans, yeah. Right, so it was, it was funny, and I think the uh, part about it to me is that he was doing it for potentially a Michigan State team that just isn't very good. Right. You don't need to be still assigned <laughs> to, to be Michigan State. So, like you said, the Winston State may have gone uh, to get these signs uh, are pretty funny to me, and then, you know, booking the, the tickets to all the, the away games under his own name, it was hilarious, man, and it, is this, if he did do all the things that they accused him of, it was extremely sloppy, and they're going to deserve whatever yep. punishment they get handed down with. It's just not that serious of a story. But me. also, <laughs> I don't think that this, like, when it, I don't know if, if they're going to hand down a punishment, it's not going to be timely by any stretch of the imagination. This is what we know about the NCAA. And I, I know that yeah. Tony Petiti, the, the Big Ten uh, commissioner, has met with the coaches via Zoom or whatever the hell it was. And he says he's changing his tone on this whole thing. I still don't think they hand down some type of punishment right now. That's not how we've operated in in college no. football or college athletics ever. No, and you know how it goes, man. Listen, what the NCAA wants is for Alabama to beat LSU, go to, to the SEC championship and beat Georgia, and then they they both get into the playoffs. And then they were like, for whoever loses the Big Ten championship game, uh, to be there sitting at five on championship weekend, and whoever's at four to lose, and you get Alabama and Georgia. And <laughs> All the, State, the Big Ten and SEC, SEC, yep. Right, and then hopefully Michigan makes it to the national championship versus one of the SEC teams, and then they lose the national championship so the NCAA doesn't have to take a national championship away from a team. That would be the best-case scenario for Mich- for the NCAA. That's what they would like, so they can get all the TV ratings and all the all the money from the ad dollars. That would be the best-case scenario. So I don't think, just like you said, I don't think they're going to hand out any heavy suspension right now. We'll probably get it after the season because there is no precedent here, and they can pretty much do whatever they want whenever they want. But I still do hate the fact. I wish, and I, I, I mentioned this the other day, I wish that when things like this happened and you have all the evidence out there, punish the team right now so we don't punish people right. that were not involved three years later. You know what exactly. I mean? Like that's, I've always hated that. I know how they operate, but I have always despised that fact. It's disgusting. We see it all the time in college athletics. Now, with the college football playoff rankings that got released this week, first first edition, I know I don't get mad until at least the second to last week of the season, right? Because you know where people are going to be placed going into the final week of the regular season, and that does mean a whole lot. But right now, it doesn't mean a whole lot. You control your own destiny. I think that's what people need to understand before they get 
you know, peeved about the first week of college football playoff rankings. Every single team can win out and control what they can control. So I get I get frustrated by people having all these these all a bunch of anger with the first week. One hundred percent, especially the, the teams in the top eight. I have a problem with the teams like fifteen to twenty five because those are the teams that are going to boost those teams' resumes that we're actually talking about being in contention right. that control their own destiny. So I can I have a problem with those more than anybody in the top eight to ten because, like you said, those teams control their own destiny. A team like Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, if they all went out. If they went out, they're probably going to get into the playoffs. It, you know, it's just how it goes. Everybody controls their destiny. But a team like a, a UCLA, who I don't believe is a top 25 team, right. they could pro- potentially be a, a resume booster. Or, or a team like USC, who's kind of teetering right now, they're extremely talented. We don't really know how good or bad they are at this point. Um, but they maybe shouldn't be a top 25 team. could be a hell of a resume booster for an Oregon or Washington going into, um, you know, the final week of the college football playoffs. So, that's where I kind of stand on that. I don't think anybody in the top eight to ten should have any problems because when your games are in, but the back end could kind of like use some, you know, bolstering because those are going to be the ones that give you the, the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of chaos. Yeah, they, they add you – they give you a top 25 win, and that boosts your resume. Right. Although I will say this, <laughs> there is very, the committee has very selective uh, – the selective application <laughs> of resume, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, group of five stuff. 24, Tulane, 25, Air Force. Are you surprised that Tulane got the nod over Air Force even though they have one loss? I know it's against Ole Miss, who's the number 10 team in the country, uh, according to these these rankings. Um, but Air Force is undefeated, and they've looked pretty dominant. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it. You know, the strength of schedule argument is always there. Uh, but I think more than anything, it's just name recognition, right? You got Tulane, who's historically been in these positions. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. Um, they have the quarterback, Michael Pratt, that everybody loves. I think it's just a little bit more name recognition more than actually uh, watching these teams compete and play. I, you know, I hate to say that as a guy who knows a lot of these voters, but uh, it's pretty much a name recognition thing. They aren't watching Air Force play over whatever the primetime game on NBC or or, S, or uh, ESPN is. So you just look at the stats and you go, hey, they're undefeated. We can't leave them out. So we'll put them at 25. Yeah, I I, I, I do also th- – being an AAC guy, played in the AAC my entire career, I do right. I do like the fact that there's clearly an AAC slant here. That's nice to see. <laughs> they people still, I mean, and they honestly historically the AAC has you know been in those New Year's Six games. They're all seemingly always uh, somebody from the AACs in it. So um, it feels like the committee still feels that, even though that the AAC has completely changed in a year. There's no more Houston, no more UCF, no more Cincinnati. And they still give the AAC a, a, a little bit of an edge. Yeah, no doubt. Like you said, just a little bit of name recognition, man. And I think it it's probably deserved after all the years of grinding. They probably should have had a couple more teams, you know, the UCFs and the, the Cincinnati's and, you know, even Memphis some of these years, you know. Yep. They probably should have had a couple more of these teams be in these positions. So, uh, you know, Tulane's just, you know, reaping the benefits of all that. So I'm not mad at it. <laughs> all right. Now, with the top six at the very least, it is funny the selective application of resume. Um, Ohio State is at one simply because of resume. There's no doubt about it. Offensively, I don't think anybody is overly impressed besides with Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, and you should be impressed with him. He's unbelievable. Kyle McCord should thank everybody in the – I mean, just should thank God that he has him on his team every single day. But they have the win over Penn State. They have the win on the road at Notre Dame. They get number one. And then two and three – 
simply eye test because neither of those teams have played anybody. And then Florida State sitting there with a win. Um, I mean, what what they were able to do, and I, I think knocking off Clemson, as much as Clemson has struggled this year, I think that was relatively impressive, although it was it was closer than it should have been. Um, and then also Florida State, it seems like people have a, a short memory about LSU at the beginning of the year, a 21-point win. It feels like if we're going off resume like they did off Ohio State, Florida State should probably be over a team like Michigan, who has just – I mean, who's what? what is their – let me ask you this. With Michigan, what do you think their marquee win is? Like, if you're going by resume, what's their marquee win? Marquee win would probably be Nebraska. I mean, Matt Rule has the team five and three. They're, they've uh, really improved since the, the Colorado game where they lost the game they maybe shouldn't have, you know, with a little bit of revisionist history. But they're rolling, and they're, they're kind of improved to the point where we're taking them seriously. They're, they're a team that can win probably eight games this year. So I would probably give them Nebraska. But is that comparable to any of the – you know, impressive victories that Ohio State or Georgia or Florida State has had. I don't truly believe so. So right. it's just the manner in which they win and they've won these games that we're yes. going to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. It's beating everyone by three scores. I, I understand right. that, but in the end of the day, I, I ju- it's just so selective. Like Washington at number five, I, I just am of the belief. And again, I don't get peeved over this. I just think it's interesting. Washington has beaten Oregon at their home field. Right, they've handled that business. They have a marquee win. Oregon right now in these first rankings, like they are up there at six. They're right behind Washington. So the committee thinks highly of Oregon, yet that win has not propelled Washington. Now, I guess the argument would then be, you know, the last two weeks, Washington has scuffled with Arizona State and has has scuffled with Stanford and very struggle wins. But you know, like I know, it's hard to win in college football. It's it really is. It's hard to win in college football week to week. Oh yeah, I mean it absolutely is. I mean you can take a team like Florida State, for example. They have some really impressive wins, but they've also squeaked by through the skin of their teeth uh, a very average Boston College team. I mean, they needed a couple penalties at the end of that game to win that game. Um, you know, even you know, they're a lot better team than uh, you know a uh, Boston College. But the Duke game before they pulled away at the end. They were losing that game before Riley Leonard goes down with injury. And, you know, very yep. well could have lost that game if he doesn't go down. So, like you said, it's hard to win. You know, Georgia had to come back from 14 down against South Carolina when Spencer yep. Rattler got hot. So, it's hard to win football games. So, I'll never, you know, knock a team unless we're at the end of the season, we're at the final week, and they play head-to-head, and you need to have a separator. What would be the separator? It would probably be how they've dominated the schedule. Like, say, for instance, Alabama and Texas are both sitting there with one loss at the end of the year. Then I'll probably have to compare – how they beat the teams that they played against uh, throughout the schedule. But it's hard to win, man. Listen, yeah. The reason why Kirby is on a historic pace right now, it doesn't seem like that many games, but that just tells you how hard it is to win. It's just the view, I guess, of Washington have to having to play themselves into the top four when they're undefeated with a win over the number six team in the country. And Michigan right. <laughs> sits at number three with no even remote top 25 wins, right? And, and here's the yeah. thing. Even if you put Michigan at number five, they're going to have their chance to play in. I just – I, it's very selective. It's very selective right. when they use eye test, when they use resume, and I think that that holds true consistently with this committee. And I do – I always say this. Whoever is the committee chair, it's Book Oregon now. I, I do not – that is not a fun job to have to get on ESPN right. every week and explain your rankings. Yeah, I mean, the resume thing is also true because why should Oregon be ranked ahead of Texas? I mean, they do have <laughs> a very impressive Utah win, but Texas went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. They just beat the team that beat 
uh, Oklahoma and Kansas. Uh, they beat Wyoming, who's going to be an 8-9 win team. If we're going off a resume, yep. they have a much better resume than Oregon. Oregon's second-best win is probably Washington State or Colorado, two 4-4 four four teams. So if we're going off a resume, I would actually have Texas above an Oregon. Yep, for sure. Well, Kai, appreciate it, man. We'll see how it all plays out this weekend, and we'll catch up soon. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's Kyron Samuels, former all-conference offensive lineman at Jacksonville State. Uh, also was all AFL selection at O-line, and then he's the senior consultant and staff writer now at Defiant Takes for the football arm for them. He's on X at Kyron Samuels. Now it's time to go ahead and hop in to the Blitz on a Friday. And uh, John Calipari, before he played his final exhibition game, made some interesting comments about what he told Kentucky State, who they played in that final exhibition, to do. Talk about that next on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.